Welcome to the Drunk Dietitians Podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We're also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Hello, everybody. On today's episode, we have Susie Foria, who is a therapist who specializes in childhood trauma, works with students or or children, um, which was such a cool take because we've had therapists on here before, but I'm pretty sure every single therapist we've had on has been adult, like yes. specializes in working with adults. So, um, Susie, we, I met her via direct message um, during the Amplify Melanated Voices challenge or movement, I guess you could say. Um, after the death of George Floyd, she was a black therapist who shared a, a post with me, and I had started sharing some of her content, and it just resonated with me so so much, and so we kind of created this little virtual friendship. And um, I just thought it would be so amazing to have her on here. And Jenna, I know I'm speaking for you as well, that we had such an amazing time having her on and just hearing all of her like wealth of knowledge around trauma and current events. And we left the episode with a cliffhanger because she will be back for part two. I know we say this often, but we already have the topic picked out and we're (laughs) ready and planned. And I think just some of the main takeaways of today for me is just about the simplicity of, you know, both of our work is not simple, right? Like nutrition and therapy is not at all simple, but the way that she talked about it today with giving super, um, really digestible for lack of a better term information and tips to share with us of things that we can implement today and really ways of understanding the body and the nervous system was just so fascinating to me. And I think a lot of times diet culture in general complicates everything, right? And so in the therapy world as well, it doesn't need to be so complicated. Like we talk a lot about breath and like the importance of that and bringing it down to like a molecular simple level. Um, And without giving it too much away, I think there's just so much to be learned from that. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. And I know you and I both love having therapists on because it's always like a free therapy session. I feel great right now. (laughs) So I think for anybody who's listening to our intro right now, like you absolutely want to listen to this entire episode because it's like an hour of free therapy. So you're welcome. Um, We'll be voicing you later Um, and and we'll send it to Susie. But um, seriously though, yeah, I couldn't agree more and we'll just get right in um, because this is going to make everybody's day better. 
Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Today, we are honored with the presence of Susie Foria, who is a child therapist. Um, and we are so, so excited to have her here. Susie, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. We just had the best opener, and I feel like we have so much to talk about today. I'm I know. So <laughs> I know. There's so many that this that this can go but for anybody listening if if you haven't already you need to open up your instagram account immediately um and follow at wellness underscore dialogues which is Susie's instagram account and that's how i was introduced to her just through um it was through the week of i believe the amplify melanated voices um so just kind of like silencing our accounts and learning more from other um, just black, you know, black providers like yourself. I was really searching, and I know Jenna too, we were really searching for therapists, trainers, dietitians, which I would love to hear, Susie, from you too, if there's a stat on how many therapists are black or of color. Um, but we were just so honored to find your account and you were such a light during that time. But then after, like we said earlier, after that week, just to continue to learn from you specifically with your areas of trauma and all of your experience. So thank you again for being here. Um, and before we dive into your story, I'm going to hand it over to Jenna and she's going to do a little rapid fire questionnaire with you. Which your Instagram bio says you ask questions, but right now I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Don't be nervous. They're super simple. <laughs> I love that in your bio though. I ask questions and unlock your inner knowing. I think that's so beautiful, but we'll get back to that. First, I want to know vodka or tequila. Definitely tequila. <laughs> yes. I can. Um, <laughs> this weekend, actually in a previous episode, Sam had mentioned that Mezcal, she thought what Mezcal tequila, she thought somebody put barbecue um, sauce in her drink when she was served at once. And this weekend, my husband and his friend were making Mezcal like margaritas and all I could smell was oh. barbecue sauce. <laughs> but it's anyways. true. <laughs> I went to Oaxaca and all they have is Mezcal. And Do you like Mezcal? I don't. Okay. I'm the same. I'm like, like, mm -hmm. I was like, like all the tequila, like catch fire. Like what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's like burning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Though I don't really like either. Oh, I think you're our first person that was like, no, like, I like I I'm not too fond of animals. <laughs> you're okay. more I fond of humans. Yes. There you go. <laughs> um, snow or sand? Sand. We all agree there. <laughs> now, this question can be like kind of annoying right now since it's still quarantine y, but on a normal day, Netflix and chill or night out on the town or brunch in Manhattan because that's where you are. <laughs> okay, so I would say that I would like to do a very limited night out on the town and then go home to Netflix and chill. Agreed, 100%. Be like a little uh, social and a little solitude. <laughs> now, it. crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. Wow, you and Sam are meant to be. <laughs> this is. That's how I am too. <laughs> now, last question. If you could have anything in this world in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, what would it be? I would have limitless cuddles. I love that, but not with the dog. No, no. <laughs> Preferably a man. I just, and a cute baby. 
I just, oh. I love cuddles. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a, a good, I feel like that's such a great answer, especially as a therapist, because like when you're being cuddled, I feel like, I don't know if it's just me, but like, that's when you're like really being like present and you're like in that moment. You know what I mean? I know for me, that's helped me with my anxiety is like really focusing on. Well, you, present. yeah, cuddling, it helps you co-regulate. Yeah. Oh, you're both of your more. nervous systems kind of reach homeostasis and you get to regulate together, which is so beautiful. Wow. I personally like am so not a nighttime cuddler anymore. I think it's just like marriage. <laughs> but now maybe I'll bring that back. Because that sounds <laughs> like bring it back. Like 2021, you're the cuddle. <laughs> yeah. Like now that I know it has actual benefits, let me let me reconsider this. <laughs> I mean, you can have like a you know a short cuddle session and be like, okay, yeah, time for bed. Like, let me get, get my co-regulation and go back. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, well, we have so much to learn from you today, but before we get into any of the learning, um, you know, obviously we know a lot about you from your Instagram, but we would love to hear like your story. Obviously you've lived an entire life before you've come on this podcast. <laughs> so letting us know, like, I would love to hear like, what, like, did you always know you wanted to be a therapist and work in trauma? I would assume probably not, but I would love to hear like, what got you into that and how did you get to where you are today? And with kids too, cause that's such like a Yes. an awesome niche. Yeah. Niche. So I remember, well, I don't actually have a recollection, but my mom told me that when I was about three years old, I told her that I wanted to be a psychologist. Wow. I don't, maybe I just like the word. I was going to say, did you know what that was? Cause I sure didn't. <laughs> it was just like, it probably just had a lot of syllables and I thought it was fancy. Uh, but I continued that hope throughout my life. And I went to school for psychology I went to undergrad for psychology and then I thought I just always thought that it was just my calling that I was meant to work with people and to like offer myself in that way um and then after school after I graduated undergrad I actually went to the Peace Corps and I taught English in South Africa in rural wow. South Africa and oh, actually prior to that I taught English in Cambodia as well and so I had experience in Cambodia and South Africa. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a teacher. I actually don't want to be a therapist. I want to work with students in the classroom. So then after my Peace Corps service, I returned to New York and I taught in Harlem. And it was there in Harlem that I discovered that I, act, I could not teach because the students were so traumatized. And so I, I learned through really hard experiences that their trauma was the, like, the greatest barrier to their academic success. And so I thought, I was like, well, I can't, I, I actually can't teach and I have to, I was doing all these interventions with my students and I was, um, had like kind of intervention plans for all of them. So I was kind of like inadvertently being a therapist. And I thought like, well, if I'm already doing this and what I care about is students ability to learn, then I have to be a child therapist. And so I went to, I stopped teaching and I went to NYU and I got my social work degree so that I can work with the little ones, children, so that they can heal from trauma and ultimately be able to learn and to like show up in the world with their full capacity. 
Talk about a meant-to-be path story. I mean, starting from the youngest age, you knew what you wanted to be, and then it evolved so beautifully. That is incredible. And I'm only laughing because when I was three years old, I wanted to train dolphins. <laughs> I mean, that's also a thing. Wait, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Maybe we're on to something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm crying. I mean, that is just so amazing. I, I I don't even know like where to take that just to yeah. know you're basically meant to find this role. Yeah. So Actually, pardon, sorry if you can hear the construction in my Brooklyn neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's New York, right? <laughs> so I mean, of of course, it's hard to to really dig deep into some of the trauma that you were seeing, but so is there any way you can expand on that for us? Or did you start to see those connections when you were in Cambodia and these other countries and then also saw it in Harlem or was it in Harlem where you were really? Right. So I think I didn't really, I wasn't really able to identify it until I was in Harlem because it was so in my face. And I think when I was in Cambodia and when I was in South Africa, I was in very rural areas. And so I kind of expected there to be barriers to academic achievement. And I, so I think I saw certain um, experiences or certain like outcomes that I thought was like potentially related to trauma, but it wasn't until I reached Harlem that I realized like, oh no, this is like, not only is it trauma in the home, but this is like racial trauma. This is like, you know, this is way bigger than just a few children experiencing like some hardship. Yeah. And um like really I had, so when I taught in Harlem, I had about like 16 students. It was a second grade class. And I would say about like 12 of them were on their own intervention plans. And some students, they would, like we had, I worked with them so they could kind of figure out what they needed to regulate. And so some of them like needed to, you know, look out the window at the trees, watch the trees blow, or some of them needed to like do push-ups in the hallway or whatever. So we all worked together so that they could have like their own kind of plan their safety plan which is what I would call it now um and so whenever they felt dysregulated in the classroom they would just give me like a signal and then they would I would just like nod to them and they would know that they could go do whatever they needed to do and so that was like the very beginning of me being like okay so this is just like coming naturally right and this is like a need that isn't in schools right now and so like how can I do this in a more professional way or do this like long-term with actual skills, you know? Yeah. And I can't, the practice that you work with right now, does it work with the school district? Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So my, I work for a nonprofit that aims to end intimate partner violence. And so we do preventative work and intervention work and we're placed in schools across New York city. Wow. So I have like an office, like a therapy or therapeutic office within the school. And I service three buildings, two high schools and one middle school. And then I also do preventative work on related to intimate partner violence. Wow. So how many students does that put you overseeing or, or like how many students do you work with a week? Right. So luckily it's all, none of my services are mandated. They're all voluntary. Okay. So that means students can identify their own need and they can seek me out, which I think is always best. Mm -hmm. um, so it depends. I, because I work with two high schools and a middle school, it's, 
it varies and sometimes it might be kind of short-term therapy or it could be that they like need you know immediate help um and so or sometimes i've like worked with students you know for two years now so it really depends on what their needs are but um i would say like i work from i like with about 15 students from various schools Wow. Amazing. So yeah. with COVID-19, which is still very much real, especially where Sammy is right now. <laughs> Florida. Shout <laughs> out to Florida. <laughs> but we are not out of the woods here in New York, New Jersey. I mean, how has your work been impacted with these kids? I mean, do they have access to being able to reach you telehealth wise? I can't imagine that's easy with younger children. Right. That's a great question. So this time has been so difficult for all of us but particularly me no i'm just joking <laughs> no, we, it's a hard field of work to be in with this right now well it was really i think the trickiest thing was that my org was not prepared for this in any way so we were not trained in telehealth mm, that's and hard so, right so we actually like ethically were not allowed to see clients until we were trained okay and so we did have to take a how'd that break. work <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, basically what happened was i had to like terminate with clients and say like due to our limited i don't know what you call it like our limited skills related to telehealth or that we're not trained or limited training we have to take a break and then we can resume services like once i'm trained yeah and so we did take that break but it was like during a pandemic you know and so <laughs> It was really, really hard to leave my clients during a time in which I knew that they were not only like surviving a pandemic, but that they were stuck at home, potentially with harmful family members. Mm. So the first, I would say the first month of the pandemic was really hard professionally because I mm -hmm. wasn't working in that capacity. And I knew that my clients could really, really need the support. And then I was trained in telehealth and then I worked with clients and then the school year ended. <laughs> and so now it's summer. <laughs> exactly. That's like the exact opposite of what you want to do when you're working with people who experience trauma. Yeah. Right? You don't want to like be in and out of their lives. Do so, they have access to you during the summer or when school no. is? No. Okay. No access until school resumes. Okay. And then do you work with only the students or do you also work with the parents and how, like in the family unit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I primarily work with the students and if they are younger, if they're in middle school, they do need parental consent. If they're in high school, they can consent to health services. So it really depends on the case. Some mm -hmm. cases require like parental or like more family therapy. I'm not trained in family therapy, but I will occasionally bring in parents um, just to, like related to, you know, parenting and help like just kind of doing more psychoeducation related to trauma and how it can manifest in the body and in behaviors and what are some things that they can do at the home to help their children. But mostly I just work with this, the children. And um, that has been a challenge. It's, it's interesting. Some parents are like totally just like go do your thing. And then some parents will want to be like overly involved and they call me and they want to hear about every session I had and yeah. what the child disclosed. <laughs> and, like the whole point of therapy is that it's confidential. 
less like, safe. <laughs> um, <no>. Right. <laughs> right. That's like the very tenet of therapy is that like I don't share. <laughs> so that's challenging. Also, my schools are in Chelsea, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just I don't I mean, it just brings up some other kind of issues or not issues, but like barriers. Mm-hmm. I think the parents are like more involved in some mm-hmm. ways. So I get a lot of calls and wanting to know like verbatim what my sessions were. So I've learned to navigate those. I can only imagine. I'm just thinking of just probably, I don't know. Um, I can only imagine what some of those parents are looking for you to tell them. Um, It it can be really (laughs) scary. And then I'm like, okay, if this parent is wanting to be so involved in their therapy and wanting to know what they're saying, how does the parent show up at home? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's huge that I, I do work, um, with teens, not, I have done a little bit with, with kids with intuitive eating, but a lot of times with the parents, like a lot of the diet culture is passed down from parents. Right. And so it is interesting that a lot of the times when the parents bring the kids in, same thing, like you said, where they're like, well, why are they eating this? Or why are you letting them do this? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, Ooh, like, this is where it's coming from. Like, and so it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate because of course the parent loves the child, you know, wants the best for them. That's what you hope and, and think, but um, that can be a difficult, difficult thing to nav- navigate for sure. Certainly for both of us. <laughs> yes. So I would love, I want to revisit real quick when you were talking, this is like probably the most simple question to a therapist, but I'm going to ask it. Cause while you were saying it, I was like, how did you know this already? So when you were working as a teacher, right. And you said that there was, you could notice that some of your students needed to like self-regulate. And for some, it would be like to blow off steam doing pushups. Some, it would be more calming looking out the window. Like, what does it truly mean to self-regulate? Because I have a feeling that we have a lot of adults listening to this that have no idea what that means to self-regulate and like, don't know how to do it. Um, so I would love for you to explain like what that means to self-regulate and how we know what we need to do to self-regulate. Yes. Yes. That's a great, great question. So, well, it's interesting because when I, at that time, I didn't really have the language. I had more of like the intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Of what was dysregulation. And so now I have the actual language and understanding of what it means to be dysregulated. And that means that our nervous system. So if we think about our nervous system, we have like our parasympathetic nervous system, which is like kind of like our resting state. And then we have our, what's the other one? Like we have our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system. And that is like when we're like more like amped up. So if we go throughout the day, our nervous system fluctuates, right? And so it will naturally go up and down. And so this is a natural cycle. So if you think like you're walking down the street and the someone, a cyclist kind of like zips by you and they go like kind of jump back and your heart might start racing, right? And so that's like your nervous system spiking. And that's a natural fluctuation that's telling you like, oh my gosh, there's a threat to my safety. I need to be alert. I need to be on edge, right? And I need to protect myself. That's kind of like the fight or flight state, Mm -hmm. right? And then if we think about, um, let's see, like the opposite would be maybe we're feeling kind of down or like depressed one day, and that would be like the parasympathetic. So we're kind of like lowering down. Um, and so what I was saying is that our we naturally oscillate between this kind of heightened state and a lower state of alertness depending on our environment and how safe or unsafe we feel. 
right? And so what it means to self-regulate is that we want to create homeostasis, which means that we want to be like in the middle of those two oscillating places. So we don't want to be on high alert, like really anxious, and we don't want to be down, super depressed. And so we can self-regulate through many different things. As I'm sure many people know, taking a deep breath would be like the most like common thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or like taking a walk around or like what my student was doing, looking at the trees below, that was like a meditative practice that she did intuitively, that she just like would focus on the trees blowing. And because she was present, her heart rate would lower mm. and her breath would deepen and she would come back to this like homeostasis is where like we'd want her to be. I am going to use this with all of my clients. Oh, does that make <laughs> Thank sense? Thank you. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. before this podcast, I would say like my nervous system was like a little like elevated, right? Because I was feeling a little nervous. It wasn't like anything too crazy, but I was like feeling a little nervous and I like noted that in my body. So like prior to turning on my screen, I like closed my eyes, like felt the kind of nervousness in my chest. And then I just like noted what was coming up for me and I just like sent breath there to co-regulate or not co-regulate, to regulate, Yeah. right? So to regulate my body, I was just like, okay, so what am I feeling right now? And what do I need to like kind of counter that feeling? And oftentimes the counterpart can just like be through like deep breathing or meditation or yoga or journaling, things yeah. like that hopefully we do regularly. Yeah. I, I love, love this so much. Yeah. Well, it, it, well, it just, it, it's so you're speaking our language from an intuitive eating standpoint of like coping with emotions with kindness. And those are the two questions we ask with, you know, deconstructing eating behaviors. What am I feeling? What do I need? Because as I'm sure you've seen with a lot of clients using food as a coping mechanism, um, if they've been able to rule out physical hunger, that just is kind of like masking what is really underlying. And so that's really as far as I go with clients trying to give them some tools in the toolbox, but that's where therapy is so beneficial and so needed. Jenna and I have said on previous podcasts, we both see therapists. We think everyone should see a therapist. <laughs> um, and it is truly like it, I started therapy in January and I was like, I will never not have a therapist. Like it's just been so helpful. Um, and so how if you, if you don't mind, if we kind of shift the conversation, I would love to hear from you with, um, I, you know, we've read so many of your Instagram posts and they've been so helpful, not only with just trauma, but just with, I would say like the collective trauma that so many people are going through with not only COVID, but then also with this Black Lives Matter, I guess for lack of a better word, movement, we could say. Um, so how how have you been through all of this? Because I just feel like we're going to ask you the questions today, right? Because <laughs> there's been, and just hearing you, you know, before we, we came on the recording hearing, you've had this big uptick, right? With, with your followers. And I'm sure you've had so many people asking like, what do I do or how do I do this work? So like, how has this been from your lens um, throughout this process, these last few months? Thank you, therapist. You're welcome. <laughs> Cheers. I <laughs> like, how have I been? I asked myself that. Well, you asked two questions, right? How have I been yeah. just in life? And then how yeah. have I been related to the Past Black Lives yeah. Matter 
movement plus COVID. Yeah, and COVID. And add the global pandemic on there while you're right. at it. Too. From the fact Quarantine. that you're in the original epicenter. I know. I'm like, the, the, it's like the intersection of like all traumas at once. <laughs> yeah. So, how have I been? Honestly, I'm like different every day. Yeah. And that is also related to like my inability to regulate consistently. I would say, mm-hmm. like, Prior to all of this, I had pretty healthy coping skills and I was able to do different things to help me, you know, feel better. And um, I think because of the pandemic and because of the civil unrest and because of Black men being shot by police, right? It's like my nervous system, again, going back to the nervous Mm -hmm. system, I feel like so on edge and so, I don't know if traumatizes the word, but I feel like it in my body. And so it's been really hard to feel calm. A sense of calm has been really hard to find recently. Um, Yeah, I don't feel like settled or like really, I either feel like so like in my body, like too much in my body where I'm like so feeling it, you know what I mean? Like all the anxiety or I'm like out of my body. Yeah. And so I'm like trying to find a happy medium, but that's like all kind of like woo-woo talk. I can answer like <laughs> in normal no. terms. <laughs> no, it makes so much sense though. And I feel so like much. it also, it also, first of all, thank you for your honesty. And it also, it humanizes you, Susie, right? Like I think for us, like people think that dietitians just have this perfect relationship with food and fitness. <laughs> and like, we're just like, and the same thing, I think there's that stigma with like therapy and therapists that like, oh, if you're a therapist, like you have all your shit figured out and you're never anxious and like I think it's important for people to hear that like that's being human and being able to recognize that is so valid and so important thank you yeah it's been really hard it's been really hard I would say like every week kind of has like its own theme like last week I wasn't feeling so great and then this week I feel a little bit better I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like what if anything is changing week to week mm-hmm. and that might just be my own like if I set out time to be with myself and to reflect on my environment and my behaviors and actions and people who are in my life you know I think the time I take for myself that I always always end up feeling better mm-hmm. after so I really need to just like carve out that time but that that was gonna be my next question is like, um, what are like what are your what are your go-to tips for self-regulating? And I know this is different for everyone, but for you personally, like what do you find helpful or what do you like to or it might not be for you personally, but what do you find like for a lot of your clients or friends or people you chat with, like what is the most helpful? Hmm. I don't know if there's anything that's most helpful for any one person. I think we're all like so uniquely different. Um, but I would say I mean, certainly meditation, even like just like catching your breath, like just for a few moments in the day, just remembering to like feel your full aliveness. Yes. Beautiful breath. Right. <laughs> so just, and I try to do that just throughout the day, like to say, oh my God, I'm alive. Why don't I like recognize this aliveness and be with it even for a moment. Right. Because we get so caught up in the day to day things. So um, meditation I do, well, typically in life, yoga, dance, I would say anything that like really makes you feel present, right? And that's different for everyone. So mm-hmm. if that's like working out or going on a walk or talking with friends or painting or journaling or listening to music, 
whatever like just captures the moment and makes you feel alive in that moment I think is the best way to regulate I love that so much and what I wrote down before because when you talk about breath I mean so my husband's a yoga instructor and I've made fun of his like focus on your breath for like ever and now it's like all biting me in the ass in my old age <laughs> as I like realize how important it is and when I catch myself like I used to call it like the Darth Vader breathing but like it's so like it's so powerful and when I caught myself like doing it last night and like I immediately felt better I had like an anxiety attack last night and I was in bed doing that and you know, I immediately felt better. I feel like I'm such an asshole for all of the years I made fun of this. But anyways, um, we're beyond that now. I mean, what you said before is something as simple as, you know, catching your breath and breathing can make such a difference. But a lot of people hear that and it goes over their head, like me for a very long time. And, you know, I think when I try and verbalize that to clients as well, they hear it as something like, I'll just do that once. And as a therapist and, you know, in dietitian world, we say this as it relates to food in different ways, but as a therapist, can you explain in simple terms, um, at like how the consistency of breathing can really be so beneficial and that could be all you have to do. Right. And so I think, well, that would, if I were like a, um, meditation guru you know if I studied meditation I'd probably have a better answer <laughs> even I myself am like learning to sit in silence and like learning to sit with myself right and so I I don't I don't want to say that it's easy because it's not easy but I think like anything that's hard we have to create a practice mm -hmm. and so even if that practice just begins with saying like I will feel one breath per day and I'm going to feel that full breath fully right? And that, and like maybe next month I'll feel two breaths and I will feel them fully. And I, so I think that sometimes we just, we tell where we suggest that people just take on a practice and like that is just something that they will be able to do, like, or just have the skill, right? But these, all these things should happen incrementally and they should happen with compassion. And I would say like a very small, like if you think about titration, like we want to like introduce these things into people's lives like very slowly so it actually feels like digestible and something that they can achieve at you want to always like make sure that people have some level of achievement in the beginning so if you say like feel one breath fully per day people can do that and feel successful on that and then if the next month they want to feel two breaths fully whatever they choose right that they feel successful on that and um yeah so I would say that I don't have like a clear answer but yeah, that was so good I wrote yeah. that down. <laughs> That's perfect. I think that the small measurable goals that you can really say, like, just notice how you feel afterwards, like, that's so huge. And I guess my point in asking that question is it just because it sounds so simple, like intuitive eating sometimes sounds so simple, right? It's the hardest work. It's like the hardest work out yeah. there. And so is breathing, even though it's something we take advantage of every single day. And like, I notice when my breath starts to like get shallow, I'm like, what are you feeling? <laughs> but like, that was, that's new for me. Right. Um, and I'm not young, so <laughs> it comes with time. Well, I think that's one of the hardest parts related to both intuitive eating and this type of practices that you have to know what you're feeling or at least yes. have curiosity. So about hard. Yes. 
<laughs> right? So you have to say like, okay, something's coming up. I may not be able to articulate what that thing is, but I can at least know that it's there and I feel it in my body or I feel it in my spirit or whatever you want, whatever you identify with. And then like, okay, so what do I do about that sensation? Yeah. Right. But the first step is knowing that it's there. Yeah. And so I think that's the hard part is that people are just like, we're like, do, 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 going through life. And like, oh, no, this is normal. No. Right? <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're like, why do I feel so like dead inside? It's like, well, because there's like so many things that you experience that like were not acknowledged throughout the day. Yes. Okay. And that, it, that, whether it's breathing being simple, right? Or intuitive eating is literally just eating, right? But because of diet culture, like it's a thing now. Um, but like eating and breathing are probably like two of the simplest things like in the world. Right. But it's like become such a hard thing because of the world we live in and all of the external influences and everything. And trauma. And trauma, right? And so when you, I would love to hear, I love asking therapists this question because I think it's so interesting. Like when people say that trauma is stored in the body, like, oh. how do you explain that to people? Sammy, or I like, had that written down too. Oh. <laughs> I feel like every answer I have, it goes back to the nervous system. I love, I love it. That. Explain so, it <laughs> Well, it's interesting because, so yes, it's the nervous system. It's like all you listeners, Google nervous system. <laughs> Perfect. So like, yes, it is our nervous system, right? That trauma or feelings. Yes, about feelings, right? Feelings are stored yes, in the body. Yes, and like, oh, trauma or feelings, right. yeah. Right, right, right. So feelings are, like, they're stored in the body, meaning that we, our experience of an emotion is physical first, mm. right? That's why they call it a feeling, because we have a physical oh. sensation of that thing. So let's say okay. love, right? We might feel love, like, giddiness or tingles all over our body and then we identify that feeling after as love but we do it so quickly that we probably just say like i feel love mm. right and we sometimes we like skip over the bodily sensation part and so like our anger oftentimes people will feel like anger like in their face or like in their shoulders or chest right you might feel hot so that's like the, the sensation that happens in your body and then we like label that sensation as anger so i don't know if i have like an like a explanation of like how it's stored in the yeah. body but it's that our body responds to this exterior thing or external thing whatever like if it's like you're falling in love or someone makes you upset whatever the external thing is right your body's like re reacting to that thing and then we label the thing later but oftentimes we think that it happens in the inverse of that that's so fascinating. And you just said that in such a clear way that, I mean, we need to quote that. Feelings are physical first. I've never heard anyone say that before. And it makes such sense. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm actually curious just to like have a real time therapy if you, Sam and Jenna, yeah. want to identify <laughs> any emotions that you're feeling right now and where you feel them in your body. Go ahead, Sam, you go first. <laughs> so this is something, so I, I have, I'm currently almost done. I just have to take the test, but I'm, I went through intuitive eating training with Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich, the authors of intuitive eating. And this is a whole part of that 
that principle coping with emotions with kindness is talking about how every feeling has a physical sensation. And because when we have clients that have so much anxiety around food or eating or hunger or fullness or whatever it is, we have to be able to have them identify like, yeah, is it chest tightening? Is it, you know, is it increased heart rate? Like, where is that being stored? So, but I love hearing how, like, just like Jenna said, like, feelings are physical first, like how that was like, that needs to be a quote that needs to be an Instagram post of yours for sure. Uh, But for tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. But, um, but so I, I just love how, how you came up with it. But for me right now, like, it's funny because I don't really have anything that's coming up for me right now. Like feel like physical sensation wise, I feel pretty at ease. And I don't know if it's just cause I'm like, like, so I just feel like comfortable in this conversation and just your like aura that you're giving off of openness. So I don't really have anything. That's a terrible answer, but I think that's great. That's what we, in my, one of my modalities that I'm trained in called internal family systems therapy, we call that being in self. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like when you're like at your center and like you find your calm and your place of curiosity and creativity, that's like maybe where you are. You feel like centered and in that state of being, you may not have other emotions that arise. Yeah. Not always like this. <laughs> I want to make that very clear for all of our listeners. Um, this is not common over here, but it can happen. All you I have to do is call that. Susie. Just call Susie. You need a therapist, you call Susie. Oh, I love that so much. I um not to switch gears. I just I have a question, Susie, because I think with COVID bringing up so much trauma in so many and. I would say, I think I use the word trauma lightly because I don't think a lot of people want to admit that they've had trauma, whether it be in specific ways, or maybe they're not aware that what they're feeling is related to trauma. Um, But I've seen a lot of people and worked with a lot of people right now that because they're spending so much time alone and they're also doing their therapy via telehealth in their home, their nutrition, I call it nutrition therapy sometimes because a lot of what we talk about has nothing to do with food, Um, their nutrition therapy in their home they're doing their workouts in their home. All of these things are in their four walls, right? That I think a lot of people are finding that their stress levels are a lot higher. Are you seeing that as something that is coming up a lot more in your work right now? Like just not being able to escape like some of the feelings that people are having, you know, I feel like when I go to my therapist's office, it's like, I always walk in, I'm like, I have nothing to talk about. And then 45 minutes goes by and she's like, seriously, like you have nothing to talk about. But like, I go in and I unpack it and I leave it there. Right. And I think now when you're home doing that in, at your desk, where then you talk to your clients or whatever it is, can be really challenging. Um, do you have any tips or thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'll answer, answer the first part. It's interesting because I work with children and children are so resilient. (laughs) They're not rigid in the ways that we are, where we like think that life has to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think that we also kind of feel entitled, right? Like our lattes and our space (laughs) space and our gyms and all those things are great. And I would like to have them. (laughs) And also children, I I don't know, my clients, they've adapted and I don't want to say like across the board, but they're like extremely resilient. 
and have like been able to like find the calm like in the chaos and so that's also like why I just love working with children because they remind me of what's possible we so learn so much from kids <laughs> I know so I would say like adults yes like my friends we're all going a little bonkers we're like I need space I need these things right and that's like also like I think space is just like a natural need and also some of our needs are related to capitalism and like wanting our American life back, right? And like being able to go to restaurants and go shopping and things like that. So yes, <laughs> again, didn't answer your question that well. Adults, no, you did, yeah. Adults, I would say a little more cranky, needing space, My children, feelings. adaptable, <laughs> resilient, brave, courageous, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all need to be working with kids because yeah. your energy is so beautiful and positive. <laughs> and we asked about tips. So like just tips for the day. I don't know. I think everyone has a different situation, but for me personally, I've been trying to find, or I, I don't even know if find is the word, kind of reorient myself and think of thinking about like what gives me fulfillment and what gives me hope right and those things look different than they did before now they probably exist in my home and so I started like a scrapbook right and I like and I started I do like meditation more often now and I like chat with my friends like things like that I maybe didn't really I don't know I, I don't, maybe I didn't appreciate them fully before and now I can like have the space and the opportunity to do those things like with greater joy. Wow. And so I actually think that like having limited space is also like greater space. Yeah, Sam, I see you. <laughs> oh, another quote there. Having limited space is having greater space. But I think that's so true because it's, it's, it's really putting a magnifying glass over like, where do you find joy? And like, mm. and I think kind of like a theme of this episode is like, where can you be present or in your center or regulated? Because technically we don't need to be on a fancy vacation or with a latte in hand or at a bougie boutique gym or whatever those things are. Like that, that was just maybe keeping us like- Distracted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly right yeah and I and I also just kind of the like the voice in our head like what do we tell ourselves right like yes this time is extremely challenging I don't want to invalidate that but also it's like what is our continual voice that we like do we wake up and say like oh another day of this this sucks or do we say like we wake up and we say like okay, here's an opportunity for me to like connect with someone or to like cook a meal that I haven't cooked before or to like go up on my roof and meditate or here's some space and time that I wasn't allotted before. How would I like to spend that time, right? Or today really sucks and I'm going to like fully feel that suckiness and like be in my bed, but I'm going to feel it fully, you know? Yeah, I love that. So much. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's so helpful because I think also people think like when they feel sucky emotions that like that's automatically bad, but like that's being human. 
Like if you're right. uh, Brie Campos, one of our favorite um, body image coaches came on. Like we talk about her in every episode. We pretty much do. (laughs) Um, We pretty much do. But she said like, she calls it sitting in the suck. And she was, Mm -hmm. I forget who she quoted, but she was talking about how like the only people that don't feel like shame, guilt, or bad emotions are dead people. And she's like, so unless you want to be dead, like you're going to have to feel that. Um, right. Well, that's also, I think, why people are having a hard time because they would feel sucky and then like they would go to a bar or they would go party or they would go to the gym. Right. And so now you have to sit in the suck. So you said suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sit in the suck. Yeah. In your own small space. Yeah. Right. I know. You're very limited <laughs> suck space. <laughs> <laughs> So So true. Oh, we have covered so many things today that I think trying to pinpoint a name for this episode is going to be so hard because it's just been like magical. Um, But we typically close episodes or wrap them up with a tipsy of the day, a nutrition tip, even though I think I say this in every episode, this entire episode has provided our listeners with tips. Is there one arena or area that you would want to draw attention to to kind of close it all out together related to anything we've talked anything. about <laughs> anything that's on your brain that you're like I really hope listeners walk away remembering blank okay I hope they walk away remembering to sit with themselves through the icky and the beautiful and the hard and the sucky times, right? <laughs> to just be with oneself. And like through being with oneself, those feelings naturally dissipate. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. I love it. To let it just dissipate, you know, naturally. It's, it's the simplest tips like that that have the most weight for lack of a better term. And it's the things that people need to hear that we often gloss over. Um, and it was a beautiful reminder today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so nice. (laughs) Of course. And I know I opened with this, Susie, but if you could let everyone know who's listening, if they want to find you, where's the best place for them to find you? Yes. They can find me on Instagram at wellness underscore dialogues. Awesome. And now that I'm just seeing this, do you also read tarot cards? So I'm learning. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. Okay, so we're gonna have to do that next time we have you back for part two because I had mine read probably two years ago now and it changed my whole life. Okay, yes. (laughs) We're cutting this conversation here because we're gonna end a whole we're gonna have a whole nother hour, but we are absolutely having you back for tarot card readings. Can you do them virtually? That's the only question. I I I can try. Yes. I'm not I'm not very good, but I'm learning. I love it. I oh, love so it. so good. <laughs> well, that'll be the perfect for everyone listening. That's that's your Love little cliffhanger. <laughs> and, and we will have you back soon, Susie, for sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. 
We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.